Welcome to the Rockcast. I am your host, Monty Colvin. This guy's a complete a-hole. Thanks for joining me. I know it's been a while since I've done an episode, but let me kind of explain how I do these things. Most podcasts that I listen to, you get one or two guys, they sit down and talk for an hour and they record it, and bam, they've got an episode. With me, I work on them gradually, I do them in segments, and sometimes they can take me up to two and three weeks. They also take me a lot of time because I'm doing a lot of editing in them, and I'm splitting my time up between all the other things that I do. I've got my paintings that I do, which has kind of become my full-time job now, and from those paintings, I'm making prints now, which you can find on my website, monticalvinart.com. And the website also takes a lot of time to maintain. Besides that, I also have my art video show on heavymetaltelevision.net, to which I'm literally videoing myself as I make the painting. And as you might guess, those take a whole lot of time to put together. And as if that isn't enough to keep me busy, I'm also putting together all sorts of stuff to take to conventions and art shows, hopefully this summer. I'm going to have my rock star paintings and prints, but I've also been making things like rock star refrigerator magnets that are really cool. I'm going to have some scary jewelry boxes and crap like that that I've made. And my girlfriend Alex has been making some earrings and uh, really badass looking jewelry. And the plan is, is to get out there and do some of these conventions where scary people show up and buy stuff that's rock and roll and that you can't find at Walmart. And when we end up doing that, I'll let you know where we're going to be and maybe you can come out and hang out with us. And so that's why I've been so busy and haven't been able to do a lot of podcasts. And sometimes some things just have to take a back seat. And in my case, it's been the podcast. And I've tried to keep up with the emails and messages about this show. And I try to answer everybody, but uh, I've even been a little slow about that here lately. So what I thought I'd do today is knock out two birds with one stone. I'm going to answer a bunch of those emails and in the process make a new episode. And let me get started by answering a whole bunch of people who messaged me and said, Hey Monty, happy birthday. I hope you had a great birthday. And to all those people, I say thank you so much. And so let me tell you all about that. On February 19th, I turned 63 years old. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And it would have been great. Alex was really sweet to me. She got me this badass Colorado Avalanche jersey. And she made me this amazing dinner with lobster and shrimp. But right as I sat down to eat it, I just started feeling bad. I had a sore throat and I just kind of felt like crap. And so I just went to bed and as it turned out, I had COVID. Oh my God! Oh yes, it finally happened. I got the dreaded COVID. And what happened was I actually went to urgent care to see if I had a strep throat. 
And I walk in and the nurse says, okay, what's going on? And I said, well, I've got a really sore throat and last night I kind of got the chills. And she immediately says, oh, you may have COVID. And I said, okay. And she said, we may have to give you a COVID test. And I said, all right. And she said, uh, is it okay if we give you a COVID test? And I was like, yeah, go ahead. And so she brings in, swabs my nose. I sat in the room for about 45 minutes and they come back and they say, yep, you've got COVID. And I said, okay, well, what do we do about that? And they said, well, there's nothing you can do. And I said, all right, well, uh, what about my sore throat? And the doctor says, uh, oh, just take some over-the-counter stuff. And so I went home and Alex also got the COVID, formerly known as a cold or a sore throat. And we just hung out for like the next four or five days in bed and just watched TV. We kind of looked like that scene in Willy Wonka where the old people are just uh, laying in bed together. And we just watched a bunch of shows and I'll tell you about that later. But I'm feeling better now. I lost my voice for a while and that's why I couldn't record anything. But I'm up and around and you know, uh, looking back, I've had way worse flus and colds and all that in the past. They just call it COVID now, and you know, uh, it was not fun. And I have no idea how I got it. You know, I was vaccinated. I wore the stupid mask while they uh, made us do that, and I still got it. And so I'm really glad that I didn't just barricade myself inside my house and live in fear for the last year. Alex and I went to 11 Major League Baseball games last summer. We've been to three NBA games, we've been to two NHL hockey games, and we went to two arena concerts. And there were thousands and thousands of people at every one of them, nobody wearing a mask. And up until a few weeks ago, I was fine. And that is the way I will continue to live, without fear. If I get sick, I get sick, but I'm not gonna stop living. Isn't that insane? And speaking of concerts, I got an email from John Huff in Canada who says, Hey, Monty, hope you're having a great day. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the Ghost Volbeat show. I feel like I would prefer to see Ghost on their own, but I imagine Volbeat was pretty cool too. Well, nice to hear from you, John. Of course, John is a former two-time winner of the Top 10 List Championship. We've been friends for years now, and he now has his own podcast, the John Huff Podcast. Check that out. But yes, John, I will be glad to give you my thoughts on that show. Uh, Alex and I did go to that a few weeks ago. It was in Denver at the Ball Arena, and of course, about the day before the show, uh, we got a bunch of snow, because after all, it is Colorado. And the roads were not great, and it was a little unpleasant getting there, but we got there in plenty of time for the first band, which was Twin Temple. And I had checked them out on YouTube before we left, and uh, so I knew what to expect. So I was not disappointed when they sucked. Whoa! But before you think I'm just being mean, let me explain. Twin Temple appears to be a husband and wife team. They're very goth looking and they describe their music and sound as satanic doo-wop. And that's literally what it is. It's like Patsy Cline singing praise to the devil. And literally the first 10 to 15 minutes of their show is just them walking around doing satanic rituals. Oh, that is so nice. And then they did about two or three of their shitty songs and uh, then some more rituals. 
And as they left the stage, I told Alex, you know, if they hadn't done all the satanic bullshit, they would have had time to play about three more songs. But that's when I realized, you know, I'm probably okay with the satanic stuff after all because at least I didn't have to hear more of their music. Hated it! But whatever, I didn't go to see them, but I was looking forward to seeing Volbeat. I've seen them a couple of times in the past and they were always good, and this time I gotta say they were really good. They've got that rockabilly metal thing going on. And they just rocked for a solid hour, and I just jammed my ass off. And of course, they did not play my favorite song like I figured they wouldn't, but they did play a couple others of my faves, including Doc Holliday. And oh my god, they just crushed it. So I personally loved Volbeat. They played great, they sounded great, and uh, they were a good time. But after that, it was time for Ghost. And I know, everybody's got a different opinion of Ghost. Some love them, some hate them. I personally really like them, and here's why. First of all, they remind me of old Blue Oyster Cult. BOC was kind of scary, you thought they were kind of evil, maybe a little satanic, but they had great songs, and so does Ghost. They also put on a very big theatrical show, kind of like Kiss and Angel did back in the 70s. And this was no exception. A lot of lights, great stage setup. 
I love the costumes, and you know, it's just a lot of fun. And sure, there's a lot of references to Beelzebub and Lucifer, but they do not make me want to worship Satan, nor did Black Sabbath used to make me do that. I have no idea if it's an act or if they're really into all that stuff, but I just don't care. Their lead singer, Tobias, is uh, possibly a bit of a genius, and he's also hilarious. This was the third time I've seen him, and the guy cracks me up every time. And so I will give that ghost concert a 4 out of 5 bloody metal skulls. Alex and I both really enjoyed the whole show, except for Twin Temple. And overall, it was just a real blessing. You're a sinner, you're going to hell. Now, my friend Derek Page in Kansas City, he also went to see Ghost, but in Kansas City, and he said he loved it too. And he also sent me a link to a brand new song by Ghost, and so I thought I'd check it out. I have not heard this yet, so it'll be a first for me. Uh, let's do it now. Okay, well first listen, I like the riff, nice and heavy, but the melody on the verse is not really grabbing me that much, but let's see what else they got. So the song is called 20s, and I would say it's cool, maybe it'll grow on me more, but I definitely don't like it as much as the other song they put out, Little Sunshine, that was awesome. But I'll give it a so-so review and just say I'm looking forward to the new album. Okay, something I used to do all the time here on the Rockcast was I would read your top tens. But I rarely do that much anymore, mainly because I don't get that many top ten lists from you, and a lot of them aren't that good. 
But I got one the other day from a guy whose lists are always good. It's Jimmy G in Chicago, and he's been a longtime listener. And over the years, he has just consistently sent me just great podcast material. And he has done it once again with a list of about 10 or 12 questions and random thoughts that I will talk about. And so let's just jump into it with the first one, which is, Hey, Monty, it seems everyone always asks you how you're doing. So, hey, Monty, how's it going? I think that's actually a really good question. Well, thanks for asking, Jimmy. And I got to tell you, man, right now, at this point in my life, I may be the happiest that I have ever been. And I think the deal with me is that 2020 was such an incredibly hard year for me. And I went through so much personal doubt and pain. And the fact that I was able to get through all that and survive, it just makes me realize how blessed I am now and uh, how much I can appreciate my life now. And I don't want to come off like some religious person or anything like that because, you know, about 15 or 20 years ago, I just got fed up with it all. I got tired of church and the phony people in church who judge you. And for a long time, I wanted nothing to do with any of it. But a couple of years ago, when my whole life came crashing down and I was just ready to kill myself, I know for a fact that God was there for me. And he just created a new path for me in my life that brought me here to Colorado and led me to an amazing woman who I love very much. And I just couldn't be more thankful. So to answer your question, how am I doing? Uh, You know, pretty good. You sound like you're laying on the couch talking to a shrink. All right, Jimmy's second question is now that you've been in the Mile High State for a year, how has your health been with all that clean, fresh air? Well, you know, I'm 63 and, you know, so my health isn't great. I've got high blood pressure, uh, diabetes, all that crap. And then, of course, I got COVID. But overall, I don't feel too bad. Uh, It took me a while to get used to the altitude here. I was kind of short of breath a lot of times uh, the first few months. But I'm getting used to it and, uh, you know, I'm trying to walk once in a while, stay a little active. And so uh, I'm not too bad. Next question is, you used to play basketball, and that means you're an athlete. Now that you're in Colorado, have you decided to start skiing or snowboarding or hiking? Well, Jimmy, the fact that I used to play basketball means that I used to be an athlete. Not so much anymore. And it's really weird because, you know, I played basketball in grade school, and I started for my high school team. And I would play in these competitive leagues until I was about 40. And then for some reason, I just stopped and I didn't play for years. And a couple of months ago, I tried to go out and shoot a few baskets at a playground and uh, I just couldn't make a shot. And it just amazed me how much my skills had deteriorated. But as far as skiing and uh, snowboarding, absolutely not. I may still be able to bounce around a little bit on a stage with a bass or a guitar, but try putting some skis on my feet, no way. So no, I won't be doing any of that, but Jimmy's next question was, what is better, Colorado or Missouri? Well, as most of you know, I moved to Colorado from Missouri, and I really hate to say this, but I do not miss Missouri at all. I still love the Kansas City Chiefs and the Kansas City Royals, And I still have a lot of friends who live in that town who I miss. 
But would I want to live there again? No. The weather pretty much sucks year-round. And for just pure beauty, Colorado has it beat hands down. You know, when I was a kid, I lived in Oregon for a while, like about a year or two, and uh, Colorado actually reminds me a little of Oregon in that you're just surrounded by these beautiful mountains. And just about every day when I'm even just going to the store or somewhere like that, I look out and I see these mountains right by us covered with snow. And there is just something about it that is just so refreshing and uh, just makes you feel so good. It's just wonderful stuff. All right, Jimmy now wants to switch the subject to art versus music. And he says, with music, you have tools like guitar, bass, effects, pedals, amps, so forth. In art, specifically painting, you have different brushes, canvas, etc. Can you compare the two arts and the tools you use for each and how the tools you use inspire the results? Okay, well, that's a very deep question, Jimmy. You know, I would just say that the best tools that you can use for anything you do are the tools that work best for you. And the way you find what's best for you is just trying a lot of things over the years. When I was developing my bass sound years ago, I just tried all kinds of different amps and pedals and basses, and I just gradually kind of found what worked best for me. As far as basses, I played eight strings, four strings, 12 strings. I tried Kramers, Hamers, Fenders, uh, you name it, and the one I love the best to this day is my Zahn four string. It's just got the sound I love, it feels great, and that's the one I prefer over everything. And with the art, it's kind of the same. Over the years, I tried a lot of different brushes and different paints. I used to use oil, now I use acrylic. And something I started doing a few years ago, I started painting on these wooden panels. They're kind of a masonite, and the surface is kind of hard, and it's easier for me to draw on. And a lot of times, I'll sand down the surface and make it a little smoother. And it's just something that I found works well for me. Wow. Isn't that interesting? All right. Sticking with the art questions, here's another good one. Jimmy says, in art school, did you ever paint a nude like a live model who posed totally naked in front of the class? And was it awkward? <laughs> you know what? Yes, actually, I did. When I was in college, I actually took a drawing class that had live nude models. And that may sound interesting, uh, exciting, possibly provocative, but here's the honest truth. Yes, it was interesting and I actually learned a lot from it. Learning how to draw the human body is not easy. It takes some practice and time. And that was one of the ways that I learned. But here's what you really wanna know. Was it weird or awkward? And the fact is, it was all things. When you hear live nude model, you assume that's gonna be a good thing. But as we all know, there's good nudity and bad nudity. And there were a few times when I had to draw a naked old man. Yeah, however, there was also that time that uh, we were forced to draw a 20-year-old hot brunette. Yeah. Now, while I enjoyed that much more, it still came down to the fact that I had to draw. And so I had to concentrate on what I was doing. And yes, the first few times I did it, it was kind of awkward, a little bit weird, but I got used to it. And after a while, you didn't even really think about it that much. It just became like drawing anything. 
The funny part of this story is that I went through my entire college career and never told my folks that I was painting naked people. But right before I graduated, the university had a senior art show, and I was selected to be in it. And one of the pieces that I had framed and put into this show was a drawing of a naked guy. And it wasn't gratuitous, you couldn't really see anything, but you could tell he was naked. And I knew my parents were going to come to this show, and so I had to just go ahead and tell them before they got there. And as you might guess, uh, they were a little shocked. Uh, they didn't understand why you'd need to do that. But to their credit, they didn't totally freak, and I think they eventually just you know, kind of accepted it. Now, a question that kind of goes along with that topic, Jimmy wants to know, did I ever pose? Oh my gosh, I hope not. No, I never did, and I never really thought about it, even though you got paid to do it. But I'm not even comfortable taking my shirt off at a public pool, so uh, definitely not. I don't want to see that. All right, another art question. Jimmy says, you're absolutely killing it with the human subjects, portraits of rock stars, commissions, etc. So, Monty, what is your favorite subject to paint? Landscapes? Animal portraits? Well, Jimmy, my favorite subjects are just people. I like uh, painting rock stars probably the best. That's fun. But I paint people's kids, grandparents, wives, husbands, whatever. Now, I haven't done a lot of landscapes or still lifes in a long time. I don't mind doing those. I'm just usually too busy with all the other stuff. But I do paint a lot of portraits of people's pets. And so if you have a pet or an animal that means a lot to you, drop me a message and uh, we can talk about it. Now, along the topic of commissions, Jimmy G in Chicago wanted to know if my friend Jimmy Jeff in Kansas City requested a painting. Do you think it would be of him and his old lady, the auto body shop, or Nickelback? Wow, well, I have not heard from Jimmy Jeff in a while, but I'm going to guess it would not be of his old lady because he doesn't seem that fond of her. And he doesn't really seem that crazy about his job at the auto body shop either. So I'm going to say it would probably be the Nickelback, possibly a portrait of Chad Kruger. And Jimmy G wants to know, would I do a Nickelback painting? And yes, of course. I will paint you just about anything you want me to paint. Uh, if you pay me, uh, I'll do it. Uh, I don't have to like who I'm painting in order to do it. I did a painting of Marilyn Manson for crying out loud. I think the guy's a scumbag. But I'm pretty sure there's some weirdo out there who thought he was great when they were 16 and they'll end up buying it. I don't see that happening. And finally, Jimmy G's last questions to me are about guitars. He says, are you your own guitar tech? Do you set the neck relief, adjust the height, or set intonation? And the answer to that, Jimmy, is no. I don't do any of that stuff myself. If my basses need worked on, I take them to somebody else that does that for a living, and I just let them do it. I mean, I can change my own strings and tune my basses and guitars. But when it comes to real fine-tuning and technical stuff, no, I am not a tech guy. I love to play, I like to write songs, but you're probably not going to find me at the NAMM show talking about gear. But great list of questions, Jimmy G. I really appreciate you sending those to me. And your contributions to the show are always appreciated, man. Now let's go to something else. All right, the next email is from Patrick Wolf in Missouri. 
And Patrick said that he enjoyed my recent podcast where I did some rants on diversity in television. He says he's also noticed how woke reality shows like Survivor have gotten here lately, and he too is annoyed. Well, yeah, you know, the whole world right now has just gone woke insane. And I think most of us can see that it's bullshit, but the people in power in Hollywood and in the government, they just keep pushing it. And the problem is, is I don't even think it's diversity that they really want. Because at least when it comes to television here lately, it almost seems like there's a conscious decision to just eliminate white people. Yeah, yeah. And if you think that sounds crazy, just turn on your TV and watch a commercial. For a while, I just thought it was my imagination, but uh, recently I've heard other people mentioning that. And it's gotten so ridiculous that I've started a drinking game called Spot the White People. And here's the way it works. You're watching a show, it goes to a commercial break, and you're going to go, okay, there's a black person, uh, there's an Asian, there's a Hispanic, there's another black person. And it may take you two or three commercials, but you might finally see one and you'll just go, ah, white person. And when you spot the whitey, you got to take a shot. Now, if you're like me and you don't drink, well, just do what I do and just eat a cookie. But you're not really going to have to worry about it because, trust me, you're not going to see that many. I got better things to do with my time. Of course, you know me. Regardless of how politically correct and woke and downright bad television gets, I will continue to watch. And so as I've been known to do from time to time on my podcast, here now is another segment of What's on TV? That's right, what's on TV? Well, I'm about to tell you. While I was sick with COVID, I had a lot of time to just lay in bed and watch a lot of crap. And here's the rundown, starting with Celebrity Big Brother. This is like regular Big Brother, where they put a bunch of people into a house, and they gossip, slander, and compete with each other. The only difference with Celebrity Big Brother is it only lasts about three weeks and you've never heard of any of these people before. Now, all in all, this was a massive waste of my time, but in a shocking turn of events, a white female actually won in an upset of the gay black guy. Say what? Yeah, I'll admit it. Reality shows are one of my guilty pleasures. And that's why I watched a show on Netflix called Love is Blind. This is where single people would get to know each other, decide that they were right for each other, and get engaged before ever seeing each other. Now, if that sounds stupid and insane, well, it is. And that's probably why I like it. For me, it's very interesting and entertaining to see what people in this day and age are willing to do for attention. Because let's face it, we live in a time where people are so narcissistic and full of themselves that they are obsessed with being recognized. And thanks to camera phones, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, anyone on earth can be a celebrity now without doing a damn thing. Like literally, you don't have to do anything. If you've never accomplished one single thing in your entire life, you can still be a celebrity. So Netflix went out and found about 10 people who were desperate enough to marry somebody that they did not know, and they filmed the whole thing. And what happened? 
Well, I'll let you watch it for yourself if you want to, but I will tell you that amazingly, they ended up with a white couple, a black couple, a Hispanic couple, an Indian couple, and a white guy and an Asian girl. Imagine that! Yeah, funny how that worked out. Shocking! All right, the next thing I'm going to tell you about was actually good, and it surprised the hell out of me. I was not expecting this. It was a limited series drama on Netflix called The Queen's Gamut. And I'd seen it listed on there for months and just kind of ignored it because it didn't look like anything I would be interested in. I thought it was maybe something kind of British, like Downton Abbey or something maybe like, you know, about royalty. And I just do not like anything like that kind of thing. But Alex had seen it and she kept telling me, you know, we need to watch this. You ought to watch this. She said it's about this young girl who plays chess. And once again, I thought, really? I don't care anything about chess. I don't know how to play chess. But she assured me it was really good. And so I finally just went, all right, I'll give it a shot. Well, I won't go into great detail, but I'll just say by the second episode, I was hooked. Everything from the story, the acting, the cinematography, it was just great. And I don't know if it's because I have a daughter and my heart went out to this kid in this movie, but by the final episode, I was actually emotionally kind of uh, into it. And it struck a chord with me, it uh, reached me somehow deep inside. And by the time I finished watching it, I thought that is one of the greatest TV shows I've ever seen. In fact, I'm going to put it in my top five. We got Seinfeld, Breaking Bad, The Sopranos, and now The Queen's Gamut. And trust me, I was surprised as anybody that I liked it that much, but I did. You're gay. And finally, I know you're all wondering what I thought of the movie slash series on Hulu about Pam Anderson and Tommy Lee and their sex tape. It's called Pam and Tommy, and I heard that it sucked from some people, but uh, I couldn't resist. I had to watch it for myself. And, well, you know, I have a lot of thoughts on it. First of all, was it good? Well, probably not. It kind of reminded me of one of those made-for-TV movies on Lifetime, except there's nudity and stuff like that. And I did get bored once in a while with it, but I also just kept watching. I mean, I was interested in how the tape got stolen in the first place, but then you'd have a scene with Pam and Tommy singing Getting to Know You, and uh, it was just like, oh my God, what is going on? But I will say this, the chick that they got to play Pam was a dead ringer. I thought she looked like her, and I didn't think she did a bad job. But the biggest problem I had with this whole thing was just Tommy Lee. And not necessarily the actor that they had portray him. No, my problem was just Tommy Lee himself. Because I'll tell you, if he is anything like the person they portrayed in this movie, which I'm pretty sure he is, he is one of the biggest freaking douchebags to ever walk the earth. And don't get me wrong, I think he's a great drummer. I've liked Motley Crue over the years somewhat. And I just kind of looked at him all these years like he was kind of a real-life Spicoli from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That he might be kind of a dumbass, but he was basically harmless. But after about two episodes, I was just sickened by this guy every time he came on screen. And I know that may be unfair because this is a movie and a Hollywood depiction. 
and I don't really know the guy at all. But there has been a long history and a lot of allegations that uh, tell you that maybe some of that might be true. Either way, who really cares? You know, it's kind of a dumb movie. If you want to watch it, you decide for yourself. I certainly didn't think it was great, but on the other hand, I just didn't find it completely god-awful. Sitting back and watching this is almost breathtaking. All right, next up, I got a couple of questions from Jim Lambert in Canada. And the first one is concerning band riders. And if you don't know what that is, uh, anytime a band goes on tour or plays a show, they usually have what is called a rider, which is a document that is basically a list of things that you need from the promoter or the club. And Jim told me that he used to be a production manager about 20 years ago and worked with all kinds of bands. And he wondered what was on some of uh, the riders that Galactic Cowboys had. Okay, well, technically, uh, you know, we'd have stuff on there like we needed four vocal mics. We all sang, so we needed that. And I always needed a mic on the high end of my bass, so they'd uh, be miking up, you know, a 412 cabinet. And they didn't always seem to understand that. They'd just kind of look at me like, why would you do that? We usually just run a DI on the bass player. But outside of that, we weren't technically that demanding. But as far as the rest of the rider, you know, we had stuff uh, on there like food that we needed. And the one thing we always asked for and usually got were about three or four pizzas after the show. And I always loved that. I'd get off stage, I'd go on the bus, and there'd be a big old, uh, you know, Canadian bacon waiting for me. And a couple of the guys like to have a beer afterwards or whatever, but for me, it was either three or four things. I needed water, Gatorade, Dr. Pepper, and this stuff called Clearly Canadian. But my favorite thing on the rider was always Yoohoo. And I'm sure most of you know what that is. It's like a chocolate drink that comes in either bottles or these little boxes. And I'm not going to lie, I was kind of addicted to that stuff. And uh, that was the beginning of my downfall. But don't worry, I got help, and I'm no longer in the entrapment of YooHoo. I don't know how people do it. Here's another question Jim had for me. And it's, since many songs are typically written about life experiences, are there songs you've written that you have difficulty listening to anymore because it brings back bad memories of a time you would rather forget about? Well, good question, Jim. You know, um, I'm going to have to say no. I mean, there are songs that I wrote about painful times or painful things. And right off the top of my head, I'd say something like, you know, A Lonely Room, uh, Oregon. But for me, when I write those songs, it's actually kind of a way for me to get over those bad uh, memories and experiences. And if I can express my feelings in a song, I can usually move on from it. It's kind of therapeutic, and so uh, when I go back and I listen to something years later, uh, it doesn't really bother me. I'm just able to listen to it as a song and enjoy it. How is that even possible? Okay, something I wanted to mention that uh, actually happened since I put the last episode up was the passing of Johnny Zazula from Megaforce Records. He was a legendary figure in the world of heavy metal, and he will definitely be missed. I actually got to meet Johnny two or three times, and he was quite the character. When I was in The Awful Truth back in the 80s, we were actually pitching Johnny some demos. And the first one we sent him had about four songs on it, and it was pretty heavy. 
And we heard back from him that he loved it and uh, he wanted to hear more songs. And so we recorded three or four more songs, except this time they were kind of ballady. And when he heard them, he totally lost interest. Well, a few months to a year later, I've got a new band, Galactic Cowboys. And we weren't signed yet, but we did get a tour opening for King's X. And we'd been out there for about a week or so, and we had a show in New York. And that night we played and we got done. And we were out in the back alley loading our gear up. And all of a sudden I see this big guy walking toward us. And it's Johnny Z walking out into the alley. And he walks over to us and I go, hey Johnny, uh, what are you up to? And he says, I'm trying to figure out what I just saw. And we were like, oh yeah? And he was like, yeah, that was amazing. And we were like, wow, cool. And uh, so we talked for a little bit. And I happened to mention that I was in The Awful Truth at one point. And he's like, yeah, I liked the first demo, but the second one wasn't heavy enough. And I was like, yeah, I get it. And he was only out there for about five minutes, but all of a sudden he goes, so how would you guys like to sign with my label? And we were just shocked. And we were like, uh, yeah, talk to our manager. And he was like, okay, I will. And he just turned around and started walking off. And I was kind of stunned, and I didn't know what to say, and so I just went, uh, hey, Johnny, nice to meet you. And he kind of glanced back over his shoulder, and he said, uh, yeah, used too, I guess. Now, he didn't end up signing with Megaforce because we signed the big deal with Geffen, but I'll never forget that night, and uh, I've always thought it was so cool that the great Johnny Z wanted to sign us after seeing us play one time. So rest in peace, Johnny Z, and thank you for your great contributions to the world of metal. Okay, and now for something that's not so metal. Alex and I went to a concert last week that I wanted to tell you about. And unlike the usual skull-crushing heavy metal show that I usually go to, this was more like an alternative indie college rock kind of thing. And I honestly can't remember the last time I went to see a band like this, but this was special, and let me tell you why. Back in 2005, I saw a video for this band called May, spelled M-A-E. I think it was on Much Music or something like that, but I loved the song, and I went out and bought the album. And the name of the album was called The Everglow. And it was basically a concept album, and I just loved every single song on it because the writing was just incredible. And it just became literally one of my favorite albums of all time. Well, in 2009, Alex and I were friends on Facebook. And of course, I knew she was a musician, and so I sent her a song by May, and she loved it. Well, flash forward to about a year ago, Alex and I got together. And one of the albums that we would listen to all the time was The Everglow. We'd listen to it on the way to games, we'd listen to it at the apartment, and it just became one of those couples things where you have this album. It kind of became our album, if you will. Well, a couple of months ago, I'm looking for hockey tickets on my phone. When I run onto this thing on Ticketmaster that says May is coming in March to a local club in Denver. And at first I was like, May, you mean they're still together? And then I read a little further and it says that they are on the Everglow Anniversary Tour. And I tell Alex and I'm like, we've got to go. And so I just immediately buy tickets. 
So last week, we go to this little bitty club. There's a couple of hundred people in there. And we work our way all the way down to like the second row center. And we're literally about five feet from the singer and they start playing the entire Everglow album in its entirety. And from the first note till the very end, that crowd and myself sang along with every single word of that show. And I gotta tell you, I've been to hundreds of shows over the years, but this was one of the most special concert experiences I've ever had in my life. I mean, Alex was the only person I knew in that entire club, and yet we all shared this experience of uh, appreciation and love for this music. And I think we all knew, including the band, that, you know, nobody knows who May is. Most people have never heard of them, but it didn't matter, because these songs meant something to everyone in that building. There was no pit, there was no moshing. It was just people connecting with a band and their music, and it was just so special. And I know I'm gonna sound like a huge pussy, but uh, there were times when I had some tears in my eyes. But sometimes that's just what music does to me. So I wanted to tell you about that, and I also wanted to play you out with a song off that album. If you've never heard of May before, well, you should probably check them out. It's just wonderful stuff. Don't forget to check out my website, monicalvinart.com. You can buy yourself a print or a painting. They make great gifts, and it also helps keep me alive. If you've got any questions or comments, or you just want to say hi, you can also find me on Facebook. As promised, here's that song by May. It's called Someone Else's Arms. I hope you dig it. But that's going to do it for me for now. I'll be back soon with more fun and mayhem. But until then, this is Monty saying take care. Don't let anyone tell you what to like. Unless it's me. And rock on.
in someone else's